Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon, and I am wearing a red, white, and blue t-shirt right now for very good reason. The Americans won the Ryder Cup. Finally, it happened. Task Force, Phil Mickelson, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed, they all were impressive. A big win. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they needed to win this no matter how they could do it. No matter what team they rolled out, what player they picked, Team USA, red, white, and blue, they needed to win this to not only... Uh, you know, kind of break the recent failure they've had in the Ryder Cup, but just to do something positive here, just to make the Ryder Cup, uh, you know, a, a must-watch. And it is. It, listen, the Masters is great. All the majors are incredible. I love covering the U.S. Open. There's nothing like the Ryder Cup. And I think uh, being at the being at the event, being home watching it, spending days around the TV, so much golf compacted in such a short time in the three days, it's the best. It really is the best. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're from Canada or Australia the matches mean something. You could see it every single time Rory McIlroy would make a big putt. It meant something to him, and he was fired up. We've never seen that before. Never seen that from him at all. We've seen him get excited about putts, but being that fired up, that putt he made on eight on Sunday and Patrick Reed when those both were going back and forth, birdies and eagles, you know, that's as excited as you'll ever see a golfer, ever. And when you think back to 1999 and that big comeback from the Americans, think about David Duvall. You know, think about Tiger. Think about these ways these guys celebrated their matches. They knew how important that match was, how big that one point was. And and we saw it, we saw it this week. Patrick Reed was was just just fantastic and he was just better than Rory in those singles matches, and that kind of set the tone uh for Sunday. But uh I wanted to get to uh, Alan Shipnuck fairly quickly from Sports Illustrated and of course golf.com. He's was at Hazel Hazeltine, is at Hazeltine, I'm assuming still, and was nice enough to join us for twenty five great minutes. Uh, with quick recap, I mean, we recorded this podcast, I'd say, 10 minutes after the winning putt went down from uh, from Ryan Moore. So, you know, it was really nice of him to, to kind of take some time to, to talk and talk about the matches, talk about where uh, it, it kind of fits historically, talk about Phil Mickelson. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I wanted to tell you, if you haven't checked out SwingJuice.com, make sure you do it right now. They have limited edition Ryder Cup t-shirts for both the American side, which, of course, now you'd want to wear all the time. And for the, the losing European side, which are still cool, uh, Swing Juice makes great t-shirts for golf. Very comfortable, very topical, very funny. People love them. Uh, if you go to SwingJuice.com right now and you use the promo code BACON, like my last name or the food, you save 20% on your orders. And these t-shirts are $25. You're saving 20% on that. That's nothing. That's a cheap bar tab after a round of golf. So go to SwingJuice.com right now. Check out their entire selection, including their Ryder Cup gear. Very cool. Very topical. And now you can have a, a relic from a great Ryder Cup. Of course, the Ryder Cup is over. Golf season, all of the excitement, besides, of course, the Safeway Classic with uh, Tiger Woods possibly playing, is over. And it was worth a, an immediate recap. That's why I had Alan Shipnuck on. Uh, Alan was kind enough to join us. We will get to him right now. Alan Shipnuck from Sports Illustrated and Golf.com reacting to a great Ryder Cup at Hazeltine. And fresh on the heels of an American Ryder Cup victory, something I didn't know I would be uttering uh, this week, Alan Shipnuck joined me, senior writer at Sports Illustrated, and of course, a great contributor at golf.com. And Alan, uh, as the, the champagne is being sprayed around Hazeltine right now, uh, did you see this, this coming? Do you see this happening for the Americans? I had to pick them in print coming into this week, uh, not to brag, of course. I, I just felt like they were deeper... They're more experienced, and you know the, the, there was a big four for Europe of of Stenson, Rose, Rory, 
and Sergio. But beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. You know, six rookies, Keimer and, and, and Westwood were wounded. Um, and it was hard to see, <clears throat> excuse me, how they're going to get to 14 points. You know, this, this U.S. team had a lot of firepower. Uh, it had a tremendous amount of motivation from the, the angst-filled two years that followed. Glenn Eagle, you know, Davis really did a great job of empowering the players, uh, making the whole effort uh, more cohesive and, you know, kind of creating more buy-in uh, among everyone, players, vice captain, bureaucrats of the task force, you name it. And it just felt like this was the U.S.'s moment. And uh, they certainly seized it Friday morning. And I think after that, it was just a matter of time. And when you look, you, you mentioned Keimer, you mentioned Westwood. So before we get to actually uh, the weekend action, what happened both on Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, a- anytime somebody loses a Ryder Cup that you get questioned as a captain, you get questioned about your picks and your teams and all that stuff. But do you think we need to give um, Darren Clark credit for looking and seeing somebody in 24-year-old Thomas Peters and saying, this guy is a stud, I want him on my team? Or do you, do, do you say, why in the world would you go with somebody like Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood, who, who haven't played their best golf this season. This is always going to be a transitional Ryder Cup for Europe. I mean, six rookies speaks to that. Um, you know, give, give Clark credit for picking Peters. Uh, you, you know, the, he and, and Rafa Cabrera-Bello were studs, and they're going to they're help be the foundation of, of the European Ryder Cup going forward. So that's the most positive development for Europe, is they identified two new horses. Um, you know, they have, they have that core that we talked about, but then, you know, they really needed a Danny Willett to step up. They needed Keimer to find his game. Westwood had to produce some magic. And, you know, all three of those guys just laid an egg. And, and then, then you had all these untested rookies, you know, like Wood and, and Sullivan and Fitzpatrick. I mean, there's a reason those guys each played only one match heading into singles. You know, they hadn't earned the confidence of Clark, and they're not really big-time players yet. So, you know, I think Clark did a pretty good job hiding his weaknesses, um, but they were exposed in singles. And, you know, frankly, he burnt out his big four. You know, they, all, all those guys played every match. And, you know, Justin Rose looked tired today. Rory completely ran out of gas emotionally, if not physically. Um, and uh, they just they – needed, they needed their big four to play great, and they only played pretty good. And they needed some help from, from their veterans, and they didn't get it. And they needed some rookies to really emerge, and they got two. But in the end, it just wasn't enough against a really good U.S. team. And, you know, you, you think back to Davis Love. You think about Medina. You think about 10-6 and what happened on Sunday. And it seemed like every putt the Europeans needed to make, they made. You know, it was really interesting. Uh, late on Saturday, you know, you have Lee Westwood on the 17th green and, of course, on the 18th with those short little putts not getting him to go. Um, maybe a bit surprising that Lee Westwood was out there in the first place, considering you know how he played um, early on in these matches. But it just felt like that. Even before Sunday got going, it just had this American feel. And when those putts don't go, the putts you have to make when you're on, uh, you know, enemy soil, if you will, you know, when those didn't go, it really didn't feel like we were going to get some sort of Medina turnaround. Uh, especially considering how Medina, uh, you know, led into Sunday with the way that the Europeans played late on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, that was a that was a, a monumental difference between uh, what Poulter did down the stretch to send them to dinner versus what Westwood did. You know, a completely different feel in the team room. And Davis told me that I got him one-on-one 
Saturday evening, and he said, yeah, our dinners can taste a lot better than theirs. I mean, he, and he said, I believe that the things that happen at the end of the day have an outsized importance because it affects the team for the rest of the night. And it was massively deflating the way the way Westwood threw up all over himself. And, and you're right, he shouldn't have been out there. You know, that was that was Darren Clark happening with, with his heart and not his head. Um, you know, he and Westwood have been best friends for 20-plus years. But on the other hand, he didn't have a lot of great options. Uh, he just – he had, you know, three to five players who were, were sort of dead weight. And he uh, he juggled things pretty well, but uh, it's just he just had too many players and he couldn't hide them all. And, you know, so we get to Sunday. I mean, Saturday happened. You get to Sunday. First of all, we get the pairing of Rory and Patrick Reed, which – I think we all saw it, you know, writing on the wall. You know, you had to go out early. You have to put your studs out early if you're Darren Clark. But uh, when you saw Rory Patrick Reed on Saturday evening as the first pairing up for Sunday, um, how excited were you just just for golf and and for fans to be able to see that? Oh yeah, when that when that was when that went up on the board in the press room, there was a buzz. I mean, it was it, you could feel it, the electricity. Um, everybody wanted it, not just not just the scribes. I mean, every fan, every player on both teams. Uh, it had to be. It had to happen. And you know, the first eight holes was some of the best golf I've ever seen in my life. And I've, this is my tenth Ryder Cup, and I've never been in a more electric atmosphere. Um, it was just golf at the highest level, and both players were uh, really playing to the crowd and each other. And it was as, as much fun as you can have on a golf course. And then Rory just just lost the plot. I mean, it was it was dispiriting to see him crumble. You know, he kind of got the yips mill around, hit some loose shot, went you know didn't birdie two par fives in a row. And Reed did not play great the rest of the way, but he did what he had to do. And you know, the, the pressure was clearly on Rory for that match. It, there was no way Europe could win the Ryder Cup if he lost. It just couldn't happen. They needed that point so much. And I felt like, you know, the top Europe's top six guys went out first, including uh, Peters and, and Cabrera Bayo. And I felt like they had to get four and a half points out of that group to even have any kind of mathematical chance. And Rory, Rory losing the way he did, it, was, uh, it, it just deflated the whole effort. And it pretty much made the math impossible from there um, because the back, the back six of, of Europe was so weak. And I mean, we saw that with, with Europe winning. I'm sorry, with, with the U.S. winning five of the last six matches. So they, they had to win at the top. And with, with Rory um, just shrinking from the moment, they were really doomed. So, this, um, you know, I enjoyed watching Rory these, these last three days. He, he kind of he played the heel, and he made it very personal to fans, and he kind of acted like a badass out there, and it was great to watch. But when you do that, you better deliver, and he simply did not. I mean, this, this is a loss that's going to affect um, how we think about Rory for a long time. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you. You sent something out on Twitter that said this will be something that hangs with him forever, and uh, and I kind of joked back at you, you know, forever, kind of laughing at it. But I mean, you you think that this is one of those moments uh, for Rory McIlroy? He did did it did it to himself. You said it. He went out there. Uh, he was yelling at crowds, telling people to shush, doing anything and everything, getting people thrown out that were that were saying inappropriate stuff to him. But I mean, you really think that for all the accolades, all the positives he's had in his career, you think this thing will linger with him for a long, long time? Without a doubt. I mean, we all know that when, when things are going well for Rory, um, he can just put the pedal down, and his best golf is, is a sight to see. But, I mean, think about what, what, what he delivered this year. Um, 
Saturday at the Masters. He's paired with speed, and you know he shoots a, a birdieless 77 and just completely self-destructs out there. Showed nothing. Um, the way you know he blew up on the la- on the on the 36th hole to miss miss the cut at a couple majors. That um, what happened here. Um, I mean, I enjoy watching Roy play. He's a mega talent. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But he, he's shown some serious mental weakness this year at times. And um, this, this was this was big. I mean, I I think that this match meant meant more to Roy than anything else he's ever done in the Ryder Cup. And and Patrick Reed gave him a a, a serious beatdown. I mean, uh, it, it's going to hurt for a while. So we we talked about Reed and Rory, and you talked about the atmosphere at Hazeltine. I wanted to ask, you were at the 1999 Ryder Cup on Sunday, correct? Yes. What was the atmosphere like today and throughout the week compared to that epic comeback by the Americans there in 99? Well, Brookline was worse because people in Boston tend to be rude, arrogant, disrespectful, <laughs> and not very much fun. And here we still have some nice Midwesterners, so that was the only... That that's what made you know Brookline thirteen percent worse is just cultural. Um, but you can send you all know, your it, hate it was, to him at, at at Alan Shipnuck, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like a few. I like a little bit of the Boston attitude. But let's face it; I mean, those fans are a pain in the ass in any sport, <laughs> and we all know that. And they just went completely over the edge at that Ryder Cup. Um, you know, the fans here they it was definitely you know it's always a minority, right? You have 50,000 fans out here, and maybe 50 of them were, were being jerks and using profanity and saying things that just weren't appropriate. Uh, but it was, it was there were enough of them, and they were loud enough that it got everybody's attention. Um, in general, I, I, you know, the vast majority cheered loud, had fun. Um, there was some laughs. There was some, some good banter. But there was definitely some who took it too far, and uh, you know, Rory got a couple of them booted out. But, um, you know, this it, it's fun to be loud at the Ryder Cup, but don't make noise when guys are over the ball. That's just Bush League, and it doesn't really have a place in this sport. You know, this is still not baseball, still not football. Um, you need to be quiet when guys are in their backswing, and that, that became a problem out here yesterday afternoon and today. Um, so that, that was disappointing, and, you know, that affects the rhythm of the players, and it just, it just reflects poorly on the fans. But you know what? I mean, that's what the home field advantage is all about. There's certainly a Yahoo factor when you go, go over to Europe and, you know, uh, the European fans love to be, you know, holier than thou, but I've seen some awful behavior at some of the European Ryder Cups. So I, I think this, this falls in the, the realm of classic Ryder Cup fan um, interaction, but it was, it was close to the extreme end, put it that way. Yeah, and, I, and that was going to be one of my next questions was, I mean, it does seem like all the European media and, and most of the fans that at least you read about um, on social media, make it seem like this is only happening in the United States. This only happens uh, when a Ryder Cup is on U.S. soil. I mean, you've covered plenty uh, the other way. I mean, you have seen this. You have seen fans get into players, get into Americans, get on them at times. Yeah, the big difference is that the Europeans do a little more of a wink and a smile. You know, they're they're a little more clever, um, whether it's their soccer uh, I, I should say football um, chance, or there's just there's just a little more levity, um, and so it, it becomes, it's a little more tolerable. Uh, they're just as loud and they're just as intrusive, but you can it's 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 hard it, it's more it's just a slightly more jovial and 
and you know the the drunken frat boy type fans out here, uh, and certainly at Brookline, they were they were just obnoxious and they weren't funny, and that that's a difference, and um, you know you could feel in the air, but you know in the end uh, the fans didn't have anything to do with the outcome, and it's not what this Ryder Cup's gonna be remembered for. It's just a footnote. I mean, I, I think that this is the big takeaway from from this Ryder Cup. Uh, the, the American team is really strong. And it's it's very young, and they've now found this formula they're going to repeat over and over with the the uh, grooming of future captains and with the more transparent communication and more buy-in among the players and more and making everyone feel empowered. And you know, Phil is a smart guy, and he always follows the money, right? And he said, you know, the goal is not to win one Ryder Cup; it's to win eight of the next ten. And, that's not out of the realm of possibility. When, when you look at how young this U.S. team is and, you know, the core for, for Europe is aging. You know, Sergi, Sergio got a lot of tread on his tires. Uh, you know, Stenson's already in his 40s. Rose is in his late 30s. Um, you know, th- those guys are the core of the team. And Roy's not going anywhere. But, um, you know, he, he can't do it by himself. And they're... You know, some other their stalwarts, you know, Poulter, he might be done forever as a big-time player. Graham McDowell has is, is fallen off dramatically here. Um, so you got to wonder, where are they going to get 12 horses? Um, because the U.S. The US has, you know, the core of McElroy, Dustin, Kepka, Fowler, um, you know, Ryan Moore, obviously Patrick Reed. I mean, these guys are young. Right. They've got a lot of Ryder Cups in front of them. And then you, you mix in the Wiley veterans like like a Zach Johnson or a Kuchar. Even Phil, I could see him playing another Ryder Cup two years. Jimmy Walker. Uh, they've got a very admirable mix of lots of youth and then lots of experience that hasn't peaked yet. Um, not to mention, then you, then you have your Daniel Burgers and your Justin Thomases are probably going to be part of you know future teams. So it's... Um, it's really a pretty uh, – it, I think this is the, the beginning of a kind of a sea change, this Ryder Cup, where um, America winning is not going to be the exception. It's become the norm. Is, is the European is – the, is the final outcome different if you take Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood off the team and you put Paul Casey and Russell Knox on the team? Yeah, I mean, Paul Casey's been a very good uh, – he's been a very good Ryder Cupper. If, if they can get him back in the fold. You know, if Luke Donald can find himself again, he's pushing forty. I mean, it, um, I don't think I don't think they're 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 game changers where they're gonna they're gonna make up they're gonna flip a seventeen to eleven um, score. But I think it would have been closer. And uh, you know, Casey's got a lot of firepower. Um, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think they're big time enough to to have changed this result. But I I think it would have helped. And uh, you mentioned, you know, the formula. You mentioned this American formula. I mean, we all joked about the task force over and over and over again. I mean, I, I think you're probably on the forefront of that, along with me, where we, we, we obviously poked fun at this. But uh, in some way, I guess you could say it worked. Do you think that we should be giving credit not only to the task force, but to Paul Azinger? Well, you know, Azinger's kind of been, he wasn't really a part of this. Uh, he was kind of marginalized, and he kind of did it to himself as well. I mean, I think the credit goes to Davis Love and it goes to Phil Mickelson. They've really driven the bus on this. And, uh, you know, Phil was a playing captain and he was probably the most activist member of the task force. And Love did a great job pulling all the pieces together and kind of um, sublimating his ego and being a consensus builder and letting everyone have a voice. 
Um, you know, I, I think aging or approved, you have to do things different. You can't just repeat the same formula and expect different results, which is what the, the ensuing captains did. But um, I don't think I don't think Azinger gets much credit here. I really think it's Love and it's Mickelson, um, who who are the the agents of change. Uh, you know, Tiger buying in the way he did was really helpful. I mean, you know, he, he's a big, still a big cult of Tiger, and for him to be on the task force and him to be an enthusiastic vice captain, you know, that 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 really set a tone. Um, so this is this is a lot of a lot of different people sharing the credit here. That's kind of what's cool. It's not. You know, the old way of doing it where you have this, you know, it's, I mean, I think, I think Tom Watson modeled his captaincy on, on the Kremlin and, you know, <laughs> the, the lack of communication and the paranoia and, you know, Phil Glenn Eagles in that press conference, that was like the, the Mr. Gorbachev to tear down this wall moment. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was the beginning uh, of the change and someone had to say it and, and Phil had the stones to do it in a very public setting. And of course he took, there was a lot of blowback, but that's what created momentum for change. And, you know, Davis Love is a much more democratic captain. And, um, and I, I think a lot of players and a lot of vice captains kind of share in, in this victory. And there was, there was, there was an impressive bit of team building all the way around. Uh, and you mentioned Phil, so we have to talk about him, not just today, um, but really Phil in the last two years, this guy continues to get snake bit when he plays well, and I, I, I really truly feel like he's still got a major in him. But think back, 2015 Masters, he shoots 14 under. That would have been good enough to win all but six Masters, all but six Green Jackets. Of course, what happened with him, Henrik Stenson, he shoots 17 under and loses at the British Open. You know, Vaughn Taylor shoots 65 in the final round to nip him by one at Pebble Beach. And then, of course, what he did today, I mean, he played probably the best golf he's played in, in as long as I can remember and wasn't even able to get the full point. Uh, what's going on with Phil? Why is he so snake-bitten right now? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the flip side is that he's still he's still a force in the game. He's still relevant at 46. I mean, who would ever thought that he would outlast Tiger so dramatically? You know, Tiger's not even a factor in the game anymore, and Phil Phil's still at the forefront. Um, and you know what? His goal now is to make the Olympic team for Tokyo. I was talking, I walked with Amy on, and she told me, you know, because Phil had been talking about playing in Rio for years. He was desperately trying to make that team. And so now he's, his focus is on Tokyo. So, uh, you know, the guys learn how to take care of himself. Um, his game travels now that he's sitting more fairways. And um, I don't think he's, I don't think he would see himself sneak, but I think he's still excited to be, to be, um, you know, a force. But uh, certainly it's now it's been over three years since his last victory. Um, and today what happened was kind of emblematic. He made 10 birdies and right. he said he, he couldn't, he could shake Sergio in, in all fairness, played amazing golf and, you know, birdied the last four holes. Um, it was a match for the ages really. And, but you know, this, this is really a feather in, in Phil's cap. He, he came in here under more pressure than any player by far, uh, because of what he did to Watson and, um, you know, the, just everything that was swirling around and, and you got to give Phil credit. I mean, he, uh, he won two matches. You have Sergio. Um, this is a very inspired performance by him. And, uh, his, 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 his ass was on the line. I mean, it really was. And he, 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 it was a, a crisis of his own making, but he was, he was able to salvage his reputation and his pride. And I give him credit because he was, 
I mean, he admitted it on Friday. He was super tight, and he never felt so much pressure right our cup because he knew that um, he was going to be the fall guy if this thing didn't go well. So, um, you know, all credit to Phil. He, he played well, and, and he, he brought it home. All right, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go two winners and two losers from each team. We'll start with Team Europe. Um, who were the two big winners uh, that you feel came from the European side? Well, it was it was their rookies. You know, it was it was Thomas Peters who went you know four and one and really looks like a star. I I saw him play in Rio, where he finished fourth, and um, I was like, I'd really my first time seeing him in person. And I was awed by his game, um, and you know he obviously showed it on a bigger, even bigger stage. So he's going to be a foundation of this team for a long time. And then Rafa Cabarrabeo, I mean, he, he played great. He went three and zero and showed a lot of heart and a lot of fire and was really fun to watch. Um, so I, I think they're the, they're the clear, they're the clear winners coming out for Europe. And for the U S obviously Patrick Reed, I mean, he's the only two Ryder cups has become the heart and soul of the American <laughs> effort. And he should just be captain. Um, he's, he's, he's got that much going for him right now. I think everybody in America I mean, would get behind him. They might vote for him for president. Yeah. Yeah. He's third party president. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I'm sure that people in Europe can't stand the guy, but if he's on your team, you got to love him. Right. So, um, Reed played great. And, you know, we talked about Phil. So I, I say less obvious choice would be Brooks Kepka. You know, he was one of only two rookies for the U.S. And he was a total stud. I mean, uh, he and, and Snedeker too. I mean, Snedeker going three, you know, um, you know, paired twice with Kepka. Um, that was a great pairing. I'm sure we'll see at future Ryder Cups, but, you know, Kepka is a young guy with, with so much firepower. Uh, he's going to be a big part of a lot of Ryder Cups. So, I mean, there was there was a lot of a lot of positives for the U.S. Uh, you know, Ryan Moore coming through, Ricky Fowler. I mean, never won a match. One, you know, he took down Justin Rose in singles, and obviously had gotten some big wins with Phil. So, uh, so a there's, lot, there's you're so many lot, positives. For the you're US. saying a lot of positives from U.S. First time since I'll 19. I can't, I can't pick. Yeah, it was the first time I since mean, 1975 that that, that, the, that the, all 12 players got. I think got a full point or won a match. Uh, and last time, of course, Arnold Palmer, which uh, has been on everybody's mind throughout the week, including the bag on the first tee. But uh, it just really did feel like a team effort um, from the Americans. I mean, it really seemed it really seemed like when somebody wasn't playing well, even in the early, the very first match with Ricky and Phil, uh, maybe seemed a bit surprising, came out, you know, and, and, and get the full point and, and start that whole thing off 4-0. Just a reminder, everybody, if you need T-shirts, go to swingjuice.com, swingjuice.com. They make incredibly comfortable, incredibly cool, funny, awesome T-shirts that are golf-themed. And they really all sorts of themes. Golf and tacos, uh, Masters and Chill. They have hilarious and awesome styles. They're very comfortable. They have girls' and guys' styles, and they're different, so they have more uh, more themed for gender. If you go to swingjuice.com right now, you can check them out. Use the promo code BACON, and you'll save 20% on your order. They have Ryder Cup T-shirts, and, of course, they have everyday T-shirts uh, for the golfer in your life. They also make a great gift. So if you need a gift for somebody, go to swingjuice.com, use bacon, save 20%. Thank me later. Uh, do you think sometimes with the captains, they almost overthink it a bit? I mean, you mentioned it, you know, Snedeker and Brooks Kepka were playing really well together. And then of course, uh, you know, you know, Snedeker gets replaced by Dustin Johnson in the afternoon. And the same thing with Bayo and Sergio had been playing really well as teammates. And then you, you switch out Bayo there late on Saturday. I mean, don't you feel like sometimes they just need to ride these guys that seem to like each other and like playing with each other? For sure, um, but there's so you know they're juggling so many things. They're, they're they're trying to get at bats for other players so they can find their game. They're they're trying to rest the stars. They're they're thinking about individual matchups. So, I mean that's a great 
that's one of the greatest parts of Ryder Cup is just second guessing the captain. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally love it. It's your favorite um, part. And you'll be doing yeah, that on I Monday. Mean, SI. uh, I'll be doing it for the, ne- for the next two years. Are you kidding me? It's uh, <laughs> so much fun. So uh, when, when you lose, then, then, this, then every decision is the wrong one. And when you win, then they all, they all turn out roses and it's just the way it goes. It's not totally fair because, you know, one putt, one shot. I mean, the players can change the perception so much, but when, uh, that's that's just that's part of the deal. The captains know going in, and they accept it. And, um, you know, we we can we talked about Clark throwing Lee Westwood out there, playing Keimer four times. But in the end, the U.S. team was so much better. I don't think that any one decision Darren Clark made had an effect. And just like whatever bad choices Davis Love made, his players kind of they overrode that with talent and desire. So. Um, uh, it was a triumph for love for a lot of reasons, but you know we all know the players decided this thing, and um, so I, I don't. The second guessing is mostly for sport. I don't think you can take it too seriously. Well, we mentioned the winners, and and I'll be interested to hear more of your American side of this. But do you have two losers? And we'll start again. We'll we'll start with the European side. Two people that you feel like uh, almost kind of lost this week more than the others. Well, for Europe, it's definitely McElroy. I mean, he went out first on Friday morning. And- Phil and Ricky weren't playing well, and he let that match get away. I mean, he was paired with a rookie, but if you're Roy McIlroy and you're the alpha male of the entire sport, you got to bring that point home. And you know that he lost that match and got and you know got boat raced 4-0, and that that was the Ryder Cup wasn't over, but that that set a huge tone. And then of course, you know, we talked about him coming up short against Reed. So it, I definitely McIlroy takes a fall for this for this European team. Um, you know. I mean, we talked. We talked about Keimer 0 and 4. Clearly, he hasn't been playing well coming in, so I'm not sure what what Clark was really expecting. Uh, Danny Willett going 0 and 3. I mean, he was a rookie, but he is the Masters champ. You got to get more from him. And certainly, his brother didn't help things. Um, <laughs> he's he's on the zeros uh, list you know, for Lee, sure. <laughs> Lee, yeah, Lee Westwood was awful, but uh, he, you know, he he has not been a big time player for a long time, and we all know he gets yippy under pressure. So. I think um, there's there's a lot of goats on the on the Euro side. I mean, for the U.S., it's it's really tough to pick anybody. Um, you know, I'd say you'd probably have to be Jordan Spieth. That's what I was. That's the one I was going to go with too. Yeah. Yeah, he had a disappointing year, and he could have could have ended it with a bang, but he, he he played really poor golf, and he lost with no dignity today. I mean, it's one thing to lose, but you don't want to do it with your socks off, and uh, that was just embarrassing. And you know, it kind of underlined what a, in, in a lot of ways it was kind of a lost year for uh, for speed. Um, well, and, otherwise, and, you know, and I mean, he wasn't were, much of a factor on Saturday either. I mean, you were out there, you know, you're, you're following these matches. I mean, oh, no. Patrick Reed is is literally carrying him. I mean, it all it all came together um, on you know on the 17th where where Reed hits a great shot and and Spieth blows that thing in the water. I mean, was he? Was what was he doing on Saturday during all the Patrick Reed? Uh, experience. I mean, was was he out there helping reading putts, or is he just kind of off the side cheering? He was on? just just staying out of the way. I mean, it was just like you know, I mean, when when Poulter made those five birdies in a row, and Rory was his partner, he's just clapping and enjoying the show like everybody else. Uh, you know, sometimes when your partner's that hot, you just want to let him do their thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jordan contributed nothing to that match. So I mean, he's can't call him a goat and they still won he didn't he didn't cost the team but it was it was disappointing finish to a disappointing year well it's interesting to hear that i mean you know again we do put certain players on pedestals for sure and you know spieth with the two wins this year but of course you know what happened at the masters and really not being much of a factor 
in the other major championships. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts, and, I, and I'll let you go. And I mean, you know, the Ryder Cup just ended. And, and, I mean, for all intents and purposes, golf's over for the year for, you know, 95% of sports fans. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on the season as a whole. When you look back on this season, what will stick out in your mind? Is it going to be the first-time winners? Is it going to be Speed's meltdown at Augusta? Is it going to be this Ryder Cup win? Is there something you feel will stick out from 2016? Yeah, I think the most indelible moment is Speed, you know, self-destructing at Augusta. It was just such a shock. You know, five-stroke lead, making the turn, about to make all kinds of history, really established himself as a dominant player of this era in some ways, and totally usurp Rory and um, and Jason Day and everyone else and be the man, capital T, capital M, and um, that really changed the course of his career in a pretty profound way. Um, you know, I think the... The Sunday shootout with Stenson and Mickelson was, was highly memorable. I think I think this I think this Ryder Cup was pretty unforgettable. You know, as far as the most important storyline, it might be Dustin Johnson's emergence. I mean, he could he could dominate golf for the next five years, um, and this will be, always be the year that he broke through. So it, it was, you know, it, there was some parity. You know, nobody won more than three tournaments. Uh, so you kind of you had a multitude of 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 important developments, but I think those will be the big ones. Yeah, and I think Dustin Johnson winning today was was important. I mean, he didn't play his greatest golf this week um, as a whole, and I think you know, kind of ending the season with this victory. I mean, in his singles match as well. I mean, I think it's one of those things. It's it's funny to think, but I I, I think you pull a big positive out of winning even a match that maybe doesn't matter. Uh, you know, in the scheme of things, I felt like it was probably a pretty big moment for him just to be able to do that. I mean, he did it at Medina as well. Yeah, Justin Dustin didn't play great this this week. I mean, I, I'm, obviously he was spent. Um, he went hard in the FedEx Cup, and um, I'm not sure how much he had left. And but yeah, yeah I agree. He, he, it's been such a positive year. You don't you don't want to go down to uh, you know if you're Dustin Johnson, you want to go down to the likes of uh, Chris Wood. So it was uh, it was a good it was a good finish for him, no doubt. Well, and I appreciate. It. I know you've got some stuff to write. Um, check out uh, si.com/golf.com on Monday. I'm sure tonight it'll be up, but. Um, do you know where? Do you know what gamer you're focusing on? Is there a certain kind of thought, or is it just really the Ryder Cup as a whole? Yeah, so I'm actually I've been I've been doing golf.com all week. So tonight I'll write my SI story, which will you know come out on Wednesday, but they'll, they'll post it on Tuesday. It's really you know that's for a more general readership. So it's it's going to kind of you got to capture this moment, but also explain how we got here and what it all means. It'll kind of be a big picture view of of um, of the. Uh, of this victory and what, what the underpinnings were. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, I, I think the casual fans not as tuned into the ebbs and flows of the, uh, of the task force, all those things. So it'll be, it'll be uh, hopefully entertaining read that will, even for the hardcore fan, will we'll shed some light on everything that happened here. Awesome. And, and last question, um, who will be the last American to go to sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Phil's already halfway in the bag, so I, I could see him passing out, you know, old man style at 930. Um, American Cup style, just just sleeping through the party. Yeah, Spieth is pretty jacked up, you know, even though he didn't play well. He's, he's a classic team player, and he's uh, he's, he's bounding around out there. I, it might be him, you know. I, I, he's got that youthful energy. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jordan. Okay, I'm going Brooks Kepka. I think Kepka will, will, will outlast the rest, but uh, I appreciate it. We will catch back up with you in a few months. Always appreciate when you come on the Cup podcast and give us great insight on not just golf, but but insight into each tournament. Thanks so much, Alan. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Shane. See ya. Bye.
Well, that'll do it. More Ryder Cup podcasts coming later in the week, but I had to get something up right as the final putt dropped. Congratulations to Team USA. A great performance. Just a great Ryder Cup. I mean, uh, the atmosphere was electric. It was a ton of fun to watch. Great matches. Some great play from both sides. Of course, you know, Thomas Peters breaking out. Bayo breaking out. Rory having an incredible run. And, of course, a lot of the Americans. And, really, the Americans as a whole just played uh, great golf. So, congrats to Davis Love. His entire... Uh, uh, you know, army of, uh, of vice captains. There were a lot of them out there, but uh, the Americans deserved it. They played well. They played solid. They did what they had to do. They took care of business. We will be back later in the week with more podcasts. If you love the clubhouse, make sure you subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Shane Bacon and at the clubhouse pod. If you follow that at the clubhouse pod, Twitter account, that's where we'll be giving away swing juice shirts, uh, clubhouse koozies that are being made right now and sent out. Um, so make sure you follow that account. And if you love the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, tell your head pro, tell your teaching instructor, do it all. Uh, hopefully, you get out and play a little golf this weekend after uh, this. Excuse me, this week after the weekend was consumed by the Ryder Cup, and we will be back very, very soon with more podcasts here at the clubhouse.